Brazil's stock market has been on a roller coaster this past week. Things started to go sour after the government decided to breach the constitutional federal spending cap, which limits the growth of public spending to tame the national deficit. Since being implemented in 2016, the spending cap gathered some criticism from those claiming that it has institutionalized austerity in Brazil, but the financial markets consider it one of the best tools to make the country's debt more predictable and avoid massive sell-offs. But there's an election coming up, and President Jair Bolsonaro needs something to boost his waning popularity figures. His solution appears to be a new cash transfer program which will increase and expand the world-renowned Bolsa Família scheme. The problem? There's no room for it on the budget, and part of its funding will come from outside Brazil's federal spending ceiling. Nós pediríamos que isso viesse um pouco como um waiver para atenuar o impacto socioeconômico da pandemia. Which sends all the wrong messages about the government's commitment to fiscal responsibility. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Aí fica o mercado nervosinho. Se você explodirem a economia do Brasil, o pessoal do mercado, você prejudicar também. Não precisa ser mágico para descobrir isso aí. Luciano Sobral is the chief economist at Neo Investimentos, an independent Brazilian asset management company based in São Paulo. He is also a columnist for the Brazilian Report. Last week, Luciano wrote an opinion piece entitled Brazil's Spending Cap is Finished, in which he shared some of his worries and frustrations about the direction the country's economic policy is taking. Luciano, welcome to the show, and first off, can you tell us exactly what the federal spending cap is and why it came about? The spending cap is basically a constitutional amendment that was presented in 2016 that puts a cap on certain types of expenses within the budget. So for a good chunk of the budget, expenses only can grow uh, for the next year by the rate of inflation uh, of the previous year in a way that there is a lot of previsibility about the future expenses. The cap was uh, implemented in 2016 during the, the Temer government. If you may recall, the Temer government was a the caretaker government that took over after President Dilma was uh, impeached. By that time, there was a strong need of uh, offering a strong fiscal anchor to the market. And the way that the government uh, managed to do that was implementing a cap. So the cap was meant to last for 10 years, the, the first review was scheduled for 2026. The problem in the Dilma years is that is that the government tried to keep uh, strong uh, GDP growth after the commodity boom was over. So what uh, was used to replace uh, the commodity boom uh, was basically public spending in the form of more direct spending, also in the form of more spending through state-owned banks such as the, the National Development Bank. Uma das características mais importantes do meu governo do presidente Lula foi a ampliação dos gastos na educação. The question regarding why is important to put uh, limits in the constitution to spending is first because Brazil doesn't have a very good track record on on fiscal austerity, so the idea there was to tie the hands of politicians or at least impose a high cost uh, for the politicians uh, if they wanted to breach 
the laws. Uh, and also the Temer government wanted to leave something for the, the next governments to feel less tempted to spend more. So that's why they put uh, a cap that was supposed to last uh, for 10 years. With that, uh, the market would have more tranquility in forecasting uh, future spending. And ultimately, uh, that could reduce long-term interest rates in Brazil. I think that was pretty valid for the first years. Uh, if you look at the trajectory of uh, government spending in Brazil, it peaked around 2015. And uh, even after the, the pandemic spending this year, the, the spending in terms of GDP uh, will be less than it was in 2015. And even next year, if you were uh, if you consider the, the amounts that we are discussing about the breach that the Congress will pass on the cap, even after that, the spending will still be low in terms of GDP than it was in 2014, 2015. So the cap played a very important role in keeping those expenses at bay and keeping the politicians less tempted to resource to uh, fiscal spending when the, the going got tough in the, in the economic growth. Now, according to the CAPS rules, in order to increase the spending somewhere, the government must make cuts elsewhere. But the main critics of the mechanism say that that leaves the budget vulnerable to corporations with powerful lobbies in Brasilia, such as civil servants or the military, and that areas such as healthcare and education would be hurt by these spending restrictions. Do you think this kind of criticism is fair? Part of that is valid. Uh, part is not valid simply because certain types of expenses were not included in the in the cap. So, for example, healthcare and education that you mentioned were not mostly uh, subject to the cap. They had separate rules that uh, that increased uh, basically the budget for those expenses uh, according to different rules. One type of critique that I think it's valid is that uh, the idea there was to force the the Congress and the and the government to take hard decisions about budget allocation. So since you had uh, a fixed cap, if you wanted to uh, spend more in some area, you had to cut spendings uh, in other area. What couldn't happen is that uh, if you consider that your tax collection was, uh, was weak and you wanted to increase uh, the tax collection in order to increase spending, which in fiscal terms would be neutral, you'd not be issuing more debt to, to acquire these new expenses. You had to modify the cap because the cap uh, had nothing to do with tax collection or royalties or or, or those types of uh, of revenue. So Brazil, if, uh, I would give you a, a more practical example that could occur in the future. Brazil is expecting a, a massive ramp up in oil production from the pre-salt in the, in the next few years before the cap was to be revised. If that happened, uh, you'd see a massive increase in, in revenues but the government couldn't uh, spend it, that the cap would force uh, those revenues to be used to pay down debt or to reduce the deficit, which was the, the original intention. But in political terms, it would be very hard to defend if you had a, if you had a, a major uh, surprise in, in government uh, revenues and you couldn't use that to spend more even in, in social uh, spending or anything related to the, the problems that the country had. So there was some design flaws, but overall, I think it was a a good measure and, and worse than the, the cap itself is the way that it's being breached, which is uh, why the market is so nervous right now. And why is that? That would be a, another long story, but the, the, the feeling that we had here is that the, the Ministry of Economy is not in, in charge of the process. Uh, basically, they, they are taking a, a backseat on every 
decision regarding the budget. Uh, usually, the Ministry of Economy uh, has the last word about the budget, so they are there for, for that. You know that the other ministries and the Congress uh, most of the time uh, want to spend more, and it's up for the finance minister to help to hold the keys of the, the public coffer and not allowing for more spending. The way that the process was conducted is that basically whatever the, the politicians asked for, they ended up getting it, and we are not still seeing an end to, the, to this process. So right now, it's somehow agreed that this social benefit, the, the next Bolsa Familia, will be increased to 400 reais, but nothing guarantees that once this goes to the floor of the, the lower house, that will not increase or the congressmen and women will ask for other types of expenses to be included outside the cap. So the, all the process was really messy and the feeling there uh, is that there's no control over it, that the Minister of Economy is simply endorsing decisions that are made uh, outside the ministry, which regarding budget, that's that's terrible. The primordial function of any uh, Ministry of Economy is to control the budget. And right now, the budget is in, basically in the hands of the Congress. But people who support Bolsonaro's move, or even people on the left who abhor the spending cap, say that given Brazil's current economy with high unemployment, rising poverty, deindustrialization, we actually do need to increase social spending and that the spending cap does not leave a lot of room for that to be done. Well, the question there is the politically feasible at this point with a government that has no uh, popularity and has a very uh, weird way to deal with the Congress. It would be perfectly possible to increase social spending. Uh, again, we are not uh, talking about a massive spending. It's not something about 10% of GDP or 20% of GDP, as we saw some countries during the pandemic, we are talking here about half a percentage point of GDP, which could, in theory, easily be achieved by cutting tax subsidies or increasing taxes uh, for the rich or any kind of uh, redistributive policy. The problem here is that the government showed that it has no political capacity or will to modify any other expenses, and every attempt to increase social spending, therefore, will become a new debt. So that's the, the question with the markets. The markets uh, particularly don't have any issue with this uh, proposition that a country like Brazil should spend more in, in social benefits in the future. The problem there is that nobody wants uh, to pay the bill and the bill ends up becoming new debt. And this debt on top of a, a very high stock is what keeps uh, people nervous in the market. We'll be right back. As you know, The Brazilian Report is an independent news outlet that lives off subscriptions, so you can support our independence by choosing one of our plans for the best content about Brazil in English. And if you have already subscribed, then you can also buy us a coffee with a small donation starting at $4 and going up to whatever your budget and your heart allows, you can help us refill our coffee mugs to continue covering Brazil. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. Buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. We're back with Luciano Sobral, Chief Economist at Asset Management Firm Neo Investimentos. Luciano, Economy Minister Paulo Guedes joined the Bolsonaro administration as an austerity hawk who was promised the keys to the Brazilian economy. 
But as you said in the first part of our conversations, he seems to be continuously losing control over Brazil's economic policy. And throughout these almost three years of the Bolsonaro administration, we have seen a number of reports talking about Gadges caving to the government's political interests, but then drawing a red line to avoid further losses. But his red lines seem to be drawn in chalk, and he's constantly moving them further and further. Last week, we saw four of his top lieutenants resigned in protest of these breaching of the spending cap. But Gedeas actually chose to stay. He was once the president's pro-market guarantor. But does it make any difference at this point whether he's there or not? Right. Yeah, he lost most of the, the important battles, and right now... He has no credibility whatsoever. So, uh, in a sense, it would be good for the markets if he left, if he leaves. Uh, but the problem is that uh, nobody in his or her sane mind would want to be in this government right now. So, my sense is that things will need to deteriorate even further to a point in which Uh, the politicians come to the conclusion, well, we need to replace Paulo Guedes and we need to give a lot of power for his or her, for his successor, because otherwise uh, markets will keep uh, lambasting us. But we're, we're still not there. What we watched uh, late uh, last week was uh, Paulo Guedes being reaffirmed in the position and trying once again to calm down the markets, which he managed to do partially, but I think that won't buy much more than a uh, than a few weeks or days. And should Gadges leave, which he says he won't, does the market have a dream replacement? We've heard a lot of Roberto Campos Neto, the chairman of the central bank, but the bank has just become formally independent from the government, and it seems hard to believe that he would leave that position of comfort to take this potentially poisonous chalice. So if not him, who? Maybe Pedro Guimarães is the CEO of Caixa, Brazil's biggest public bank? That's a good question. Uh, I, I know for a fact that Pedro Guimarães wouldn't be a, a good name for all he's been saying and uh, the way that he acts. Ideally, it would be someone from the private sector that has a lot of uh, credibility or at least uh, has some reputation to lose. Uh, people were talking about Mansueto Almeida, who is right now uh, at BTG. He was a, a former uh, Treasury Secretary, and he left the government right before things started turning uh, bad. So he could be seen as a trustful minister. But uh, again, the problem is making one of those people to accept a mission that in the end, uh, he or she will be subject to a Congress that wants to spend more, to a president that uh, is not very good at backing his team. So it would be a, a tough replacement. So I think the reason why uh, markets are not um, advocating more strongly uh, for a replacement is knowing that it would be really hard to replace with someone that uh, wouldn't make uh, things worse at this point. Right. So is budget control an idea that remains salvageable? Because we've got a president scrambling for support, an election looming, and polls showing that former President Lula is leading the 2022 race, and he is against restrictions on public spending. So is the spending cap dead already, or is there a way to, I don't know, give it CPR? <laughs> 
No, no. I think now it's more a, a matter of uh, of damage control. So we know that the cap uh, will will no longer be there. Now, what we are trying to look for is some end to this creation of new expenses in next year's budget, and it's it's basically short term. So markets are now focusing on next year because they know that after that. Uh, there will be an election and probably whoever gets elected will have to change the fiscal framework. So the focus now is on the very short term. We are trying basically to quantify by how much uh, the the spending next year will exceed the former cap. The funny thing is that if we look at the numbers, they are not particularly worrisome. We are uh, talking about a primary deficit next year of around 1.5% of GDP, which would probably be lower than what uh, Brazil will deliver this year. So it's more of a matter of signaling and and, uh, putting the markets on the right track rather than the the numbers itself. The numbers can be absorbed without much damage to the debt trajectory. The problem is the trajectory itself and what will follow the cap in the next government. And what is your outlook for the Brazilian economy in the short term? and over the next three years? Right. Well, in the short term, it's funny because I was never, I've never been much optimistic about Brazil, but now people are so pessimistic that I'm becoming, by contrast, more optimistic. I think the GDP growth next year will be something between 1% and 1.5%, which is not brilliant, but it's not a recession. And it's not a recession because we have sectors of the economy that are largely uh, insulated uh, from the, the political noise and from the increases in interest rates. So we have, as everybody probably knows, an agribusiness sector that is extremely dynamic and it's still being benefited by external demand. We have a, a mining sector, an oil sector that will contribute positively. And there are still some fruits to get uh, picked from the reopening of the economy. So there are some types of services that are still Uh, not being provided as they were before the pandemic. So there is still some vaccination dividends to be enjoyed next year. So I'm not that concerned about the short-term growth because there's still uh, some drivers, even considering this recent deterioration in, in financial conditions and knowing that probably the central bank will have to hike rates more than we're expecting. I don't think that this will throw the country into another recession. For the years to come, I think it's the same old Brazil that we are getting used to watch, which is a country that has a very low potential growth. And by very low, I mean 1%, 1.5% in a country that finds it very difficult to go through reforms that would increase this potential growth. So we are now seeing a dispute in the Senate regarding tax reform. A tax reform is something that 10 out of 10 economists will tell you that is extremely important to uh, reorganize uh, capitalism in Brazil and make it more productive. But it's something that it's very hard to achieve and especially hard to achieve when you have a, a political crisis uh, every other month. So I think it all depends on who gets elected, but I wouldn't be very optimistic even if a, a centrist reformist candidate gets elected because it's very, very hard to reform Brazil. And we watch this uh, over and over again, and it won't be different uh, in the future after a, an election that would be probably so polarized and so full of uh, bad proposals or, or lack of proposals. That's not a, an election about a, a platform to make the country grow more in the future. It would be probably an election that will 
play itself as a as a less ugly contest. So you will not vote for someone because it's the better candidate, but, but because you don't want the other candidate to win. And that's hardly, that hardly reconciles with, uh, with a productive and, and mature agenda for, for growth reform. Luciano, thanks for speaking to us. I hope we're going to have you back on this podcast soon. Thank you, Gustavo. Pleasure to talk to you. Luciano Sobral is the chief economist at Neo Investimentos, If you like explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes a second and it will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. 